Hello, and welcome to today's podcast. My name is Conan Esla. I'm here today with Carlos Gomez. Hola, hola, hola. And Tadeo Gasparetto. Hello, everyone. Tadeo, could you be so nice and tell us a little bit about today's paper? Sure. Welcome, everyone. So the paper today we're going to discuss, it's called Can Professional Football Players Adapt to Air Pollution? And evidence from China. So they have three authors, Yu King from University of Singapore and Jing Wu and Rongyi Zhang from Tsinghua University. I'm sorry for the pronunciation. And the paper is very interesting. As the title says, it's about football players, whether they could adapt playing into mats away and how matches, considering the variation of the air pollution. So it's quite interesting. It's a novel approach, let's say. So go on, guys. Thank you very much, Tadeo. Then I can explain a little bit of the introduction of what the authors are trying to do with this data and in this paper. As Tadeo mentioned, these authors focus on the impact that uh, air pollution has on professional sports performance. And this is a timely topic given the climate change issues that we already have and that uh, seems to be worsened now over time. And there is some research in this area. So the authors mentioned there's some research in marathons, in tennis, in chess, and also in football, but they choose to focus on professional football players in China. The basic idea is they try to measure how individual players can adapt to these external conditions given the climate change. And they compare the results with previous studies that measure, for example, temperature. And also they try to see which players can adapt better to these changes, to these conditions. And for this, they use a lot of data that I will explain a little bit later. When I first read about this paper, this reminds me a little bit about the discussion that was going on a few years ago in sports with the high altitude cities when in South America these clubs had to go and play in Bolivia. So we had these pictures of Messi on the floor trying to breathe because it was difficult to play in, in La Paz at uh, 3,700 meters. And this reminds me a little bit of this type of questions. I think it's really interesting what you mentioned, Carlos, because I remember I was in Nepal almost 15 years ago and it was so dirty, so the air was so polluted that I had to wear a mask on the street because otherwise by the end of the day, my nose was basically full with dirt. And back then I thought, okay, just imagine how my day would have been if I would have run around, you know, or do any sports. So I think it's super interesting to see how air pollution in general and not only climate change, but air pollution influences an athlete's performance. So here I completely agree with you. And I think it's a topical issue. Agreed. And the authors then, they measure this air pollution on air quality at the football game place at the stadiums. And also they compare this air quality to the one that the, that the players are used to in their home cities. So this is also a clever comparison. So at the end, the authors try to contribute to two different strands of the literature. The first one, is the impact of air pollution on sports results. Here we have some benchmarks, some previous studies, as I said, in marathon, chess, and also football. 
And then they also try to link their results to this literature on adaptation. So this capacity of the human beings to adapt to external conditions and, for example, low pressure or low or high temperature and stuff like this. And for this, the authors use some measures of performance that Tadeo can probably explain a little bit better later and also in, on some underlying mechanisms of uh, pollution. Tadeo, do you want to tell us what the authors actually measure and how they do it? Yeah, absolutely, Carlos. Thank you very much. Well, first, let's talk about the data a little bit. It's like the data is pretty impressive because they investigated like two seasons and half in sports economics, not a huge data set, but they analyze the player match observations. So if in the early beginning they have about 500, 600 matches, when you multiply by the number of the players that as you nicely say, they investigated individual player performance, it turns to almost 16,000 observations. That is pretty nice. And they had like the team, the minutes played, the position of the player, the perform some performance indicators, some characteristics like age, nationality, and some kind of ability that they measure. And what they tried to understand was whether one player, when playing at home or away, according to this variation of their air pollution, change in the number of the passes. So it's one metric of performance that they used. And the second metric of performance was the success rate of these passes. So in uh, ordinarily square estimations, they control for all those points that I mentioned and see whether the air pollution impact. So, but the clever way, as you mentioned, how did they measure this? They created the metric calling the gap. They consider one metric for air pollution that is called particulate matter PM 2.5. So this is a kind of particles that are in the air and it measured the short-term health effects based on pollution and they created this gap so they were taking only air pollution in the city where the team is hosted so from 8 a.m to 8 p.m they took the average air pollution in that city over three months to understand how adapted the player might be in that environment and then when playing in that particular match they take one hour before the match and during the kickoff. So they make this average and the gap is this difference between the adapted environment and the match day conditions. So it could be positive or negative according to whether the air pollution was higher or lower during the game. So this was a very nice way to understanding, not saying because the air pollution is identical for everybody at the same time, in the same moment, but the adaptation is the crucial point. So they have done some kind of econometric analysis like robustness check based on age, based on ability, based on the nationality, in a home team, in a away team. I mean, they really work hard into econometrics was a very interesting process that they did. And Cornell, could you tell us the results they got, please? Yes, before I go into the results, I want to add one thing that I really liked about this paper, and this is something that you already mentioned, Tadeo. So I think, even though some people might say, I think a different approach might be nicer or whatever, I think you really have to give the authors credit for the data analysis that they did here. This, again, for me, we've had this in several papers already, the data that they gathered for their research question is just unbelievable. So the approach 
you just explained, Tadeo, I think is extensive and they invested so much time in it. So I give the authors real credit for that. Okay, but now I can come to the results. And basically, they have one major result. And this is that the gap has an influence so that it decreases under worse air pollution conditions. So that means the number of passes and whether your pass is successful or not is worse when, let's say, pollution is worse for you. And then when I read the next pages of the paper, I had a feeling that I often have an academia when you read this kind of paper that the authors are, let's say, like in a boxing round, you know? So they have their main result and now they have to defend it. And this is what you read in the other parts of this paper as well. So they perform placebo tests. That means they look at the air pollution, not at this day, but at different days before and after and compare to the results. And they sit and they find, no, it actually makes sense taking this exact day because the results really fit to it. And I think this fits to the standard approach that you have in academia, that you have to defend your results. And then they go on and compare between the results between home and visiting teams. And yes, it is visiting teams that suffer under these conditions. And normally, I do not love to go to the appendix, but for this paper, I enjoy doing it because in the appendix, they had one result that I find super interesting because they looked at younger players, then they looked at better players, and they looked at foreign players. And what they did is when they looked better players, they took a score. I don't know how they came up with this score because it's called Tsukishi score. So I think it's similar to, let's say, a rating that players get. But, and this result intuitively made sense to me, but there was that younger players have a better score. So they are less prone to suffer from air pollution. And this is something that I really like because it showed that, okay, the results make sense. Actually, these results are really interesting. And I was wondering with these metrics that the authors used, they used in this study the number of passes and the success rate of passes. And I don't know enough about air pollution and how air pollution can actually influence the results and these performance metrics. But I was wondering what would happen if instead of number of passes, the authors would use something like um, running metrics like or distance covered by the players or um, a sprinting distance at the highest speed and stuff like this. And I think it would be very interesting to have a look at that and then build another paper and another contribution to know more about this issue. I think it's really nice that you mentioned that, Carlos, because when I read about this paper, I thought back at the paper that we discussed from Principe and Van Urs. So those two guys look at discrimination in Italy regarding the player rating. And I thought that, you know what? For future research, it could be nice to see if air pollution influences player rating, right? So this goes a tiny bit into my direction. I just have a really last addition that would be very interesting for future papers. I mean, when you're talking about pollution, we are talking about bad external conditions, but we can think about nature external conditions, for example, humidity and very extreme temperatures on, on professional sports as well that can be researched. Carlos already mentioned about the altitude. We see many medical research on it, but we don't see many sports economics and management research on it. Let's say the effect of really playing under extreme 
conditions. So it could be also interesting seeing papers on this topic later. Good points. I hope we get to see more research on this area in the future. That's great. Cornell, Tadeo, thank you very much. This is everything for today's podcast. Thank you for listening to the weekly piece of sports. Stay tuned 